The Bruins' revenge tour made a pit stop in Salt Lake City last night as UCLA putting the chokehold on Utah's offense. The Bruins coming away with a 69-58 to beatdown on the road. And UCLA now winners of four straight. They have taken eight out of the last ten contests. And don't look now, but they are only one game Yes, only one game out of first place in the Pac-12 standings with four regular season games left. And Utah head coach Larry Kristoviak left this particular game with an astonished look on his face. His voice was hoarse. He was fuming at the officials all game long, even picking up a technical foul in the first half because he thought his guys were not getting enough foul calls in their favor. And then you had a technical foul almost being called on the student, sec- student section for Utah because they were caught throwing objects onto the court. So just a bad look all around, and UCLA just dismantles this team in Utah and gets a big-time win. Welcome in to Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can always catch me on Fox Sports Radio, where I'm a national anchor. I'll be on today from noon to 4 p.m. Pacific, wherever you check out FSR, your local FSR affiliate, or you can always listen to us on iHeartRadio app and the Fox Sports Radio icon. I am also a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show, which airs on Tuesdays on the radio in Los Angeles. We got a fresh episode for you coming up this Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m., on AM570 LA Sports. Once again, please don't be shy. Reach out to me. Would love to answer your questions or spark a conversation with you as far as how this Bruins team continues to ride this success. My email is lockedonbruins at gmail.com. And if you prefer the Twitter world, my Twitter handle is at Brian Fenley. Brian with a Y, of course. And I don't know why I said of course. But then... Finally, make sure you please subscribe to this show because our numbers are growing drastically right now and you know who I have to thank for that. No, it's not me. It's not me. As much as I'd like to take credit, it is not me. It is Mick Cronin. So Mick Cronin, if you are listening to this episode of Locked on Bruins, I just want to tell you thank you because the more great work you do with that team, the more our numbers have grown. In fact, just in this month, We have grown 14% as far as our listenership on this podcast. So, Mick, if you're listening, I'll probably see you one of these days soon at practice or on campus on one of these upcoming Tuesdays. But until then, thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, here's what we have on this episode coming up. So I do want to look at how the Pac-12 standings are shaping up to be, given all the conference slate of games that took place on Thursday and and stuff I cannot wait to share with you are my observations and how the game went last night obviously we know the win but let's get into the particulars let's let's dissect this thing a little bit between UCLA and Utah and that's exactly where we are going to start now if you're watching this game yesterday the Bruins offense wasn't bad it was pretty good actually at the beginning they made seven out of their first eight field goals and then Utah had the, the senses to say, you know what, this is not a trend that's going to lead to us winning, so we got to do something different. So what did they do? They decided to go with a zone look, and what that did is that walled off the Bruins from getting clean post touches and getting the lights of, of Cody Riley or, or Jalen Hill buckets, and so that led, on top of showing a bit of a, a press look, 
the Bruins started missing shots. They went on a, a stretch where they missed six consecutive field goals, and UCLA was taken out of their game. And Utah knew that. They knew that they had to provide the resistance in the paint because that's where UCLA thrives. The problem is for Utah, and this is a sign of UCLA growing even more, is that even though Utah, for that stretch in the game, took away UCLA's strength, the sign of a good team, the sign that they are improving, is that even if that said team doesn't get the greatest numbers out of their stars, they have other guys that step up. And that guy that, st that stepped up in this game was Jules Bernard. When the offense was substandard, it was lackadaisical, and the Bruins just had no life offensively, and they couldn't get anything inside. Jules Bernard was able to shimmy his way in the paint, knock down jumpers, get to the cup, get fouled. There was one play in the first half where he caught the ball at the top of the key and basically just shredded the whole Utah defense, scored the bucket inside, went to the line, for the and one he made 14 of his 16 points in the first half and, and, and goodness who knows what this game would have been like without Jules Bernard because other than him realistically there was not a whole lot of good to come out of our offense we had nine turnovers in the first half a lot of traveling violations you had traveling violations by Chris Smith early on and Jalen Hill and Jalen Hill also Tried to make a move baseline. He stepped out of bounds, so the turnover numbers were way up there. But come the end of the game, when Mick Cronin spoke to reporters, LA Times beat writer Ben Bolch, great guy, tweeted out a quote that I wanted to read with you from Cronin, and he said, defensively, we couldn't play much better. And that's an end quote. I could not agree more. So whatever the offense could not do for Utah, or for UCLA, I should say, the UCLA defense took control. They had four block shots. They dominated on the glass, waging their prowess in the rebounding department. And Utah was simply out-muscled in the paint. And when they weren't fouled in the paint, they were moping, they were crying. Defensive rotations were great for UCLA. And... I will get into next a couple of the star players and some of the numbers for Utah that are, are quite perplexing because they did not show up. Their stars in this game did not show up offensively, and these numbers will really give you a sense of just how little they were able to do in helping the Utes. When I was trying to pinpoint a couple keys that I thought would be the ultimate difference makers in this one and things that UCLA needed to do in order to ensure a win over Utah. One of those things was defending the three and playing stout perimeter defense. And UCLA did a great job in that department. In fact, Utah, all five of their starters combined to go 0 for 6 from three-point territory. It's a bit perplexing to think that they only took six threes for their starters. I, I'm blown away by the lack of attempts there and then as a team collectively when you include the guys off the bench 12 total attempts from three and only three of them went down so three of 12 from three-point territory you are making life so difficult for you if you expect to win games when you only make 
three three-pointers. But it was more than that for Utah that hindered their cause. It was some of the stars. And I pointed out that, for one, Booth Gotch, I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the week on the podcast, I, I look at him as, as far as an NBA-ready body. He has the tools. He has the skill set. But it's, when is it going to show up? I mean, some games you're like, wow, this guy could be one of the best players in the Pac-12. And then there are other games where you look at him and it's like, this guy shouldn't start. He should be coming off the bench. He is the biggest puzzle to me. I just can't figure this guy out. And I know he's had some injury issues, so perhaps that has played in to his inconsistent play. But he looked pretty solid out there as far as movement and agility and still struggled mightily. Two for ten from the field for Booth Gotch. Took some bad shots out there. Finished with with five turnovers. And I do believe that he got away with a couple more travel calls. So realistically, let's say seven or eight turnovers, to be honest with you. When he was dribbling, I was like, uh, there was a couple calls there that were not issued the whistle. But they definitely were travels. It, It was just a complete brain fart out there for Booth Gotch. Took some bad threes, and Timmy Allen also was substandard. He did not make his first field goal until two and a half minutes into the second half. Your leading score is not making a field goal until the second half. That's not a good look as well. And when you look at once again at the defense and how much Mick Cronin is praising that defense, there's another strong sign. Timmy Allen finished 4 of 12 from the field. He got a couple buckets in the second half where he was able to body up post presences for the Bruins and score. He did have three turnovers, but I will never be able to get this play out of my head involving Timmy Allen in this game. It was in the first half, and Timmy Allen was wide open. I mean, wide open from three. The Bruins missed a rotation It was a total mishap, and the guy attempts the three, and he airballs the three with nobody in his face, nobody closing him out, and there was like a hitch in his shot. And that kind of gave me a a hint like, yikes, this is not going to go well in this game for for Utah. The the one positive that came out of, of that second half was Alfonso Plummer. He made a couple threes in this game. He scored 14 of his 16 points in the second half. The TV broadcasters decided to have some fun with his last name, and it kind of made me want to vomit in my mouth because they were talking about, oh, he's a plumber. He does yeoman's work, and very, very cheesy. But what Plumber did is cut what was once a 20-point deficit down to, to seven, and then with under two minutes, the Bruins woke up. And then the Bruins decided, you know what? It's a little bit too close for our comfort. And Utah decided to try to extend the game. They kept fouling the Bruins. And UCLA made their free throws. They made six free throws down the stretch. And they won this game. Despite the fact they turned it over UCLA 19 times. 19 times. And so, yes, the 19 turnovers usually would be a loss. We would be spending more time talking about their offensive woes. 
But the Bruins' defense overcame that. Am I concerned about the number of turnovers? A little bit. I do think that there's something about playing in Utah that is such a struggle on anybody. It's such a strain. In fact, UCLA is only the second team to beat Utah at home this season. And obviously, Oregon was the other one. Oregon came into Thursday number one in the Pac-12 standings. They ended up losing yesterday. So now there's a whole new order here in the Pac-12 standings because now Colorado is sitting pretty in first by themselves. They've got sole possession of first. And guess who the Bruins have next on their schedule? The Buffaloes. You talk about controlling your destiny. Everything is in front of you for UCLA. This is going to be, and we're going to look at this game coming up in the next segment, while also looking at how the conference standings look and the the mass chaos that has taken place in those said conference standings. But if you're talking about a trademark win, I know the Bruins have had a lot of them recently, but this one takes it to a whole nother level. If you can beat Colorado, a nationally ranked team, at their place, who's sitting at number one in the Pac-12 standings, if you win that game, I guarantee you, you will go the rest of the conference slate with all wins. The only trepidation I have is Arizona at home. Arizona at home. That's the only one I'm a little worried about next week. But beyond that, you win against Colorado. I can't tell you how much that's going to do for, obviously, the Bruins standing in the conference, but their hopes of making the NCAA tournament. This is a game that is more than a game. And I know that any coach is going to try to downplay the significance of this game beyond the game itself because you don't want to inundate your players with pressure, and I get all of that. But as fans, and if you're looking from the outside – This is that game on Saturday against Colorado that you are circling on your calendar because this could be a humongous say in deciding the postseason fate of UCLA. All right, so coming up next, we'll look at those standings. We'll look at Colorado, how they played on Thursday. So a whole lot of craziness taking place in the Pac-12 standings after Thursday's slate of games. You started the day with... A two-way tie for first, Colorado and Oregon. And then since they played their games, the Ducks lost. They fell on the road to Arizona State 77-72. to And initial thought is, wow, that's surprising. But then you realize the Bruins lost at ASU. So maybe it's not that big of a deal after all. I believe the Sun Devils have now won six games in a row. And... If you're looking at a front runner potentially to win the Pac-12 Coach of the Year, I think you have to give the nod maybe to Bob Early of the Sun Devils. Or even Mick Cronin has made a case for that, and I certainly do not want to jinx him because he's still got stuff to do, and I can be a bit of a superstitious person. But, yes, Cronin certainly deserving of that distinction as well. So after Oregon lost, that bumps them down to a tie with UCLA being a game back of first place in the standings. 
But directly behind Colorado, you have Arizona and Arizona State. And then Colorado is the Bruins' opponent on Saturday. So, so much is still in front of them. They can one-up their opposition and win, win it all. That makes their schedule a lot tougher. You look at it, there's the the ups and the downs to playing a tough finish to the regular season slate because you can have a major say in where you finish. But if you can face these teams and beat them, and these are going to go a long way, these upcoming games, in determining UCLA's fate in the postseason, particularly this one on the road on Saturday against Colorado. Speaking of Colorado, they beat USC 70-66. to McKinley Wright the fourth, 15 points for the Buffaloes as they held off a late charge from USC in this game. And, and Tad Boyle made the comment, the head coach for the Buffaloes afterwards, he said, as far as where his team is in the standings, being in first place didn't mean anything two weeks ago, he said. Doesn't mean anything right now. He went on to say, we just have to take care of business on Saturday. If you believe Tad Boyle and that he doesn't think that anything means anything as far as the first place and all that, I, I don't know what to tell you. The only reason he's saying that is because he doesn't want to make it a bigger deal than it is to put more pressure on his players. Plus, if you make it a big deal that you're in first and you end up not getting first at the end, you're just going to feel worse. So I understand why he has that perspective. The Bruins and Colorado facing off tomorrow, 1 p.m., airing nationally on CBS Sports. Also, I have not forgotten my game of revisionist history as to look at how UCLA would have fared in some of those losses and how maybe if they are playing the way they are now, they would have won some of those. We will do that next week. Also next week, I'll have some fun with the UCLA Beach Volleyball team. Had a chance to broadcast their match against LMU yesterday. We'll tell you what that was like. And their new facility, Mapes Beach, a wonderful new environment that had, had their unveiling just on Wednesday. So... Lots of obvious hope and promise out of this beach volleyball program as they have won back-to-back national championships. Appreciate you all for tuning in, your support. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Tell your friends, tell your family. We have increased our listenership 13% in counting this month, month from last month. So that's all good news. Thanks to you. And have a great weekend. I'm Brian Fenley.